You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. actually going to talk about something apple it bugs me why apple created the podcast system as we know it they it's fair to say they pioneered podcasting as a general medium mm-hmm. and yet their biggest flagship you know one of their flagship devices you still can't do what we're doing now you have to have a computer and it i mean yes there are web services but I don't know anyone who's had a good, consistent experience with them. There always seems to be something going on, and I would be happy to use the web system if I could do a local backup at the same time. But you just can't, and it just, oh, it just one of those things that you're going, please, Apple, you, you know, you're focusing on the Apple pencil and the artists and. That's it. You've forgotten about the people that want to do video on their iPads, which admittedly I use LumaFusion for. Same. Uh, but I oh, I will talk to you in a minute about my green screening issues, which is a whole very, very boring topic. Please release some version of Final Cut for the iPad. If, you, if you're going to class the iPad as your next computer, let us have some of those apps to use it like a computer. For example... I'm trying to do a keynote presentation, which I can do, and I've got it right in front of me now. I've been um, working on the presentation where I've dropped a graphic in and I'm rotating it. So it's going to have quite a lot of uh, transparency. No matter what I do, I cannot on my iPad get it to fade in properly. Now, let me run you through what I've got to do to try and get a result. I have to go into keynote. I then have to, let's go, I have to go file, export to, sorry, this is just me having a gripe now. You have to go file, export movie. You then have to choose a movie. You have to select a custom resolution, type it in manually. Then you have to uh, tap Apple ProRes 4444. Then you have to tick export with transparent background. So you think, okay, you know, that's fine. I can do all that. You then go over to, then you have to open it up in QuickTime Player. Export it as a HEVC file with um, transparent backgrounds enabled. Then you have to drop it over to the iPad, and then LumaFusion will still give you a green bloody tint on your transition. And I'm, as you might say, I'm a bit passionate about this one because I've spent two days now just trying to create a like, share, and subscribe button using Keynote. So where was I going with this? <laughs> why can't Apple just... Why, why have Apple sort of given up on trying to be a flagship bearer for apps? They say they did that massive redesign of pages, numbers, Keynote, and I will admit I'm really into Keynote now I prefer over PowerPoint. But other than that, they just seem to have given up. It's like, oh, well, we've got the developers now. Let them do things. Whereas it used to be... Apple would release an app, sort of show us what was semi-possible, and then other developers would just come along and absolutely annihilate Apple. It just it, it boggles my mind, this whole use the iPad as a computer, but yet I can't use a note to do something in LumaFusion like a transparent um, text effect. You know, I feel your pain. And what I'm about to say, I'm not saying... As uh, I don't want this to come across like I'm being an Apple apologist because I'm absolutely not because I agree with what you're saying. Holy crap. It's so frustrating. Um, Just take us all the way with the iPad, please. Um, But I think what happens is that is that Apple, they have this pattern where they get very focused in one area and they work on that for a little while and then they just jump to the next thing. Yep. And then uh, it's, oh, I, it just clicked for me. Do you remember the old days when we had token ring networks? Oh, God, no. That's Don't what Apple is doing with their yep. products. And so they just click around. And eventually, your token ring, it clicks back around to, to that, that first node. And uh, so eventually, 
we'll get back to that place where Apple is focusing more on uh, on professional needs for iPad users. And, but then after that, that that node's going to jump to the next one, and it's just going to keep going back around. Ugh, it, it is frustrating. I mean, there's there's loads of little foibles, like when you're using files, and this bugged the living daylights out of me. If you go from photos, so tap in, drop a photo, so tap in, hold a photo, go into files, you can only drop it one folder down. You can't drop it into a subfolder. And that bugged me for ages. Like, why is it not doing this? And then I realized if I went up a level, it would do it, but it won't drop it into a nested folder. That's very frustrating. And I, I haven't tried doing that yet, but now that I know, I'm now prepared <laughs> so that uh, I'll understand why it's not working when I expect it to work. Do you think we're ever going to see a version of Final Cut? I mean, I love Luma Fusion. Uh, I do think that for me, you, I mean, how often do you use Luma Fusion before I go into yet another rant? Uh, it it depends. I'll, I'll go through phases where I'm using it, uh, you know, like several times a week, and then I'll get busy on other things and I'll use it once in a month. Uh, but I have to say that my favorite platform for video editing is actually LumaFusion on the iPad Pro. I like LumaFusion, but I sort of have a feel. For me, sometimes it just feels like a jumped up. Uh, sorry, a more. It feels like the version of iMovie that we wish we could have had. So, for example, I like iMovie. It does some things so much better than LumaFusion, like um, slow mo. LumaFusion will slow it down frame by frame, but iMovie will interpolate. So it works the the first frame, previous frame, and then it does a load of fancy stuff in between. So if you slow things down, you're not stepping it. It will actually give you a nice um, slow motion effect. But the one thing that always bugged me about iMovie is when you're wanting to put text on the screen, you're limited to lower thirds and that's it. Oh, yeah. And you just think, well, why have Apple not sort of, you know, there's a nice little market there just to add a few more features to it and then let us have, cause it's sort of like saying, well, if you want to move text, you've got to spend 200 quid and go and get um, Final Cut Pro. You know, I I don't like the, the limitations we see in iMovie, but I totally understand why we have them. And it, it's it's the reason why why iMovie became what it is. And it's because Apple had turned it into a product that was so powerful that that uh, a lot of people didn't need Final Cut Pro. And they needed to make sure that there was a uh, uh, a real distinction between iMovie and Final Cut. And I'm not saying this as an apologist because it totally sucks because Apple took a product that that I was using all the time and then suddenly hobbled it. And... At that point, I was on the hunt for something else and uh, and tried tons of different things because Final Cut Pro is more than I need. Yeah. Ultimately, I ended up with LumaFusion on my iPad, and I and I do find some irony in the fact that my video editing platform is my iPad Pro and not my MacBook Pro. Both both iMovie and LumaFusion, they have the good points and the bad points. Um, iMovie was really made for um, the ordinary man in the street uh, to knock up a few um, YouTube videos. I used to have a YouTube channel, and I used that, but also used LumaFusion as well. I will pay a bounty to anyone who can find Jim's old channel. (laughs) No, you wouldn't know. It's it's long gone. I, I deleted it. Um, what I found with um, my movie was it was very easy to do transitions and sounds, lovely, sweet, you know, curve from the full volume down to nothing. Whereas with LumaFusion, it's complicated to do that, you know, bring, mm-hmm. bring in the music and bring it back out because you've got to do each wee space, you, you've got to select the curve points for it to transition. Oh, uh, yeah, there's like speed ramping, for example. Yeah, if you want to bring speed up, you've got yeah. to do cuts. You've, so let's say you want to go from zero to 100, you've got to do 
let's say, 25% speed and another one. Yeah, and and this is all things that people have been griping about in in the LumaFusion forums. And I think they have, I mean, I'm on the test flight, but there's nothing really there to shout out about other than um, just bug bug fixes, I think. I mean, I, I had a really frustrating bug. And imagine doing this. So you record uh, a bit of video or you take a screen grab. You then go into LumaFusion. You pull down to refresh your library and it would crash. So then you have to open up LumaFusion again, navigate back into photos and then pull it back in. Before I got this beta version and I was doing my videos where I had like 40 or 50 slides in there, it was about, I would would suffer like 300 taps in the end because it just kept crashing. Oh, that's frustrating. The, the reason why I like LumaFusion is uh, you get a better selection of um, uh, music um, compared to uh, iMovie. Uh, you get a lot of jingles in iMovie, whereas LumaFusion gives you actual you know, proper sound uh, uh, tunes. Um, got, as I said before, they've both got their good points and their bad points. I would love to see LumaFusion on the Mac, though. Oh, yeah, that would be kind of cool. And... Uh... And then just be able to seamlessly jump between your devices and work with your your video content. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that they've never made a Mac version of it. Well, this is what well, they can the soon. Grail. Well, we we this holy grail of um, what's it called Catalyst apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it can happen, and uh, uh, you know the trick is how do they do it so that it feels like a Mac app on the Mac while remaining an iPad app on the iPad because the way the interface works, it's clearly designed to be a touch interface. And you don't want to have something that feels like a touch interface on the Mac. It needs to it needs to to fit the interface style that you have on a Mac. You need to make interface changes and so I suppose they need to decide, does it make financial sense to put in the effort to create that and then maintain that? Because now at that point, you're you're having to maintain your two interfaces. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, that said, about, I would love it. Yeah. I think that's going to be a common problem for, you know, for a lot of developers. And then you suddenly – but there, there, therein lies the danger of you – Maybe this is why they've increased the price of the iPad, so it doesn't look so off-putting. So, yeah, an iPad realistically now is going to cost you about a thousand pounds for what we call the Pro models. Mm-hmm. Imagine jumping onto the Mac, and which is going to cost probably what at least another four hundred pounds or four hundred dollars, and you see the same looking up. There's going to be a lot of people down there going, well why have I spent this extra 400 pounds or whatever the money is mm-hmm. to have a samey looking app, which probably won't have many more features because you've got to keep them on parity. I think that that's going to be a very interesting conundrum for Apple going forward. You see, I don't, I don't think the I don't think that the iPad should be trying to do what the Mac can. And I know that Apple said originally that it was a, computer replacement and let's face it for the 99 percent of people that's true it is um the fact is i use my mac far less than i do my ipad um but i don't try and do the same things on my ipad as i do on my mac and um i know there are people including you mark who who would really like it to be able to do the same things on both i i just not sure that that's the right way for Apple to go, and I'm not sure that Apple believes that's the right way for them to go. Well, the, the problem with the iPad was it was it wasn't designed to be a computer in the no. sense of a MacBook. It was designed to be yeah. a consumer device, and they're now trying to make it into a computer. Um, and I, well, I, I feel I, that I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they are. I think they're trying to bring them closer together, I, but I'm not sure their ultimate goal is to be able to use your iPad in exactly the same way as you do your well, iMac. I, I, Keep, I, I, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I do agree with a lot of points. But their marketing message is: yeah. if you if you're going to say as much, power, you know, when they did the what was it last year when they did the keynote, 
And they made a big, big point of saying, you know, this is faster than a lot of Windows PCs. You know, that is a very mm-hmm. strong message to say, what? It's faster than Windows PCs, so I can do all of my stuff, and it's faster. And, and the fact is, Mark, as I've just said, 99.9% of people will find they can. It's only those people, a fairly small group of people who want to be able to edit video and do the more powerful stuff that will find that it can't do quite everything that they want it to do. Yeah, and Apple has been very careful to avoid saying an iPad is a replacement for your Mac because it's it's not and uh, and it's not a replacement for a PC either. These are different devices that uh, that fit in different parts of the market. So f- yes, for many people they can use an iPad in lieu of their their desktop or laptop computer. I, I don't want to go so far as to say it's a replacement for that, um, because it's. But that, that's it, the message that, that's Apple's like sending out. That yeah. that's the thing. You know, Apple have gone out and say, you know, your new computer. So it's interesting to see what do Apple think a computer is. Now, the I like the iPad in so much as you can do almost quite as you said. Alan, you can do quite a lot of it because, let's face it, almost everything now has a web app. They, they, they weren't doing the adverts saying that this is the computer, the only computer you really need. Um, I don't know if they're doing that now, but they, you know, they were actually advertising mm-hmm. this as the computer you, you need, nothing else. Um, and, and for a lot of people, that's true. An yeah. iPad can be their, their sole computer. And for for people that need even to, to do even more, with their their tablet, but still don't need a full on uh, desktop or laptop computer. Throw in the new uh, uh, Magic Keyboard, and you have a uh, a very versatile machine. Um, but but I think Apple has been very careful with their wording because they they get that the iPad and the Mac fit into different spaces based on how people need or want to use their device. So there are a lot of people that an iPad would be a completely adequate computing device, but because of the way that they, they want their own computing experience to work, they need a Mac. And, And there are some people that have a Mac that, they would be better served by having an iPad simply because of the way they use the device. And, uh, and I fear that I'm sounding wishy-washy about, about these products, but, but I'm not. I mean, I see clear distinctions for myself in how I use these devices. And when I'm my iPad, I, mean, I, I see the places where I can say, if I could only do this with my iPad, I wouldn't need my Mac. And then I also realize that what I'm saying is, if my Mac was in this form factor, then this is the computer I would be using. And, and those are not the same thing. I mean, th- because they're different devices, I, I need to look at them based on what is the best use case for, for both. And, and I can do so much of what I need to do on just my iPad Pro. But... The- I have a 16-inch MacBook Pro sitting here on my desk. This is what I'm using right now for uh, for the show, and and I'm not going to get rid of it because this is a critical part of the way that I work. Just so happens I can do a lot of that on my iPad as well. So I think a lot of it boils down to how you started off. Um, you know, we, we've we've come from the MacBooks or the the, the Apple uh, computers, and, and then you know, bought iPads. A lot of people have uh, only experienced tablets, um, so it depends. On, it depends on what you what you've been brought up on, how you you will look at each each device. Um, we we we're used to computers doing computing things, and we expect the iPad to do the same. Um, but it's a different beast. Oh yeah, I, I with the iPad, I've no idea, you know, no qualms of, you know, if I want to do something, maybe I have to jump through a few hurdles because I've got to, you know, I'm, it's not designed to do it. But then, it's how far away 
do you have to be go well the ipad isn't designed for video it's not designed for podcasting and then you sort of think well you know they've put all you know look at the look at the processors that they shove into these things look at the gpus they are absolutely phenomenal but you've got to think how many apps really use it and the only thing that i can say the killer app on the ipad i reckon is safari because it needs all that power to be able to give it a smooth experience <laughs> that says a lot about web browsers now doesn't it yeah and all the javascript i mean blimey i will never forget the day i, I put my first ad blocker on and then i reloaded the page and it was like oh it was like speeding up my iphone to be twice as fast yes yeah, but there are uh, there are things, aren't there, that with the iPad that are actually much simpler than if you were using them on the Mac. I mean, a perfect example. Um, I now use my um, iPad. In fact, the, my reason for buying the twelve point nine inch uh, uh, iPad was for music, for sheet music. I wanted to be able to have my oh, music yeah. in front of me. It's a decent sized screen because I'm not getting any younger, and. Uh, just and I, there are programs that really good programs out there that I use for score uh, that, that that show music. But getting PDFs in there, it's really easy. Someone sends you a PDF piece of music. Yeah, you click on the on the whatever it's called, the the little send somewhere else button, uh, and you select for score. Whoosh, it's there. I mean, that is just so simple. It's about three taps on the screen. Um, uh, which is very different to having to go to a website and click on the button and download it and then decide how you're going to get it across here. Uh, it, there are some things the iPad really sort of excels at. Uh, and I think some of the basic connectivity, even though we've always complained that we needed a proper filing structure, some of the simple send this thing to this program, it, it's just wonderful. And it works really well. Yes, I agree. Uh uh, there, there's another thing that plays into this that I think is so easy for, for all of us to forget because we're in the middle of it. And it, it's that we're actually in a major transition phase with technology and, and the way we use computing devices. And the iPad is, what is is it 11 years old now, right? Or seven? Yeah, we had it's, it's 10 yeah, so so it's been several years since the iPad was first introduced, and we're we're in still I think the beginning of the transition in uh, or from how we've been using computer technology for decades into how we will be using it for decades, and this transition it's slow enough that it's hard to see. You know, it, it's like. If we were if we're shifting the course of an iceberg, it's it's not going to be it just suddenly pivots and now it's going a different direction. It takes a long time to get that that uh, new trajectory, and then to get it to a point where where it's something people can see. And we're still in that very beginning part where we're moving that iceberg, and people that that can look at it from way above they they can pull out their protractor or whatever and say okay yeah i can see that that this small move that we've made now is going to to translate into this bigger angle much later on but we just can't really see it yet because we're in the middle of it and i think that's where a lot of our frustration comes from because we want what it's going to be and we want it now but that transition can't happen quickly. It's just the nature of the technology and the way we're using it. So I don't want to be patient, but I fear I'm going to have to be patient to, to see the, the iPad form factor become the, uh, the incredible powerhouse that we know it can be. We do seem to be stuck in a, in a kind of limbo world just now because you've got you've got tablets you've got computers you've got chromebooks um don't forget smartphones smartphone yeah yeah they all they all seem to be trying to do different things and none of them seem to do everything you want them to do um don't know we seem to be stuck in 
it feels stuck right now, but I, I think it's because the transition is slow enough that we can't really see it right now. But if we look at where we are today and compare it to when the iPad came out, I mean, mm. the, it's significant the change that we've seen. So when so if we project that out and look at where we are in the same time frame in the future, when we look back at where we are today, I think we'll be able to see just how much of a, of a change has happened. But yeah, it's just so slow right now. It feels like we're moving on a geological scale, and I would love to see it happen much faster. I feel Apple's got stuck. They don't seem to know what they want to do at the moment. Um, I think can't... I think we got so used to it moving so fast. Yeah. That, but, that that now it's sort of slowed right down. We, we, do you know what I mean? We had all that convergence happen in the, when was it, 2010s? Mm-hmm. Um, where everything converged together. And, you know, we used to have separate phones and separate recording devices and separate music players. And then suddenly they were all one device. Um, and I wonder oh, I got, whether I we, totally we just got a little bit that. spoiled, really, during that time where everything changed so fast. Uh, that now we're sort of in like a sort of mature stage where, yeah, we we feel that things aren't changing fast enough. Yeah, but yeah. Do, you not, do you not think Apple's kind of, um, they don't seem to know whether to go down the, the Mac OS route or the iOS route or the iPad OS route. They seem to be kind of, they're trying to put things onto the Mac OS that are on the iPad uh, and vice versa. Um I'm still on the I'm still on the, the class of uh, thinking that uh, you know iOS will become the only operating system uh, uh, for consumers. Um, professional but probably still get uh, you know professional grade macOS, but I, th- I think they're trying to get um, everything onto the kind of iOS when computers and tablets for the you know, the general people, the general public. Mm-hmm. I could see Apple doing something like that where their, their mobile devices, tablets and smartphones, those, those are geared primarily towards uh, consumer level users. And then the Mac becomes the pro level device. Uh, But at the same time, we have this problem here and it's a very frustrating problem. And it's that Apple doesn't tell us anything. So, (laughs) So we're sitting here looking at Apple saying, man, it feels like they're spinning their wheels and it feels like they, they don't know where they're going with this. And they're just kind of tossing stuff out and seeing where, where it goes. That's not how Apple works. They have a very clear plan and everything they're doing is very strategic towards getting us to that, that end goal they have. And, uh, and, at the same time, it sure doesn't feel like that. If Apple was more transparent, which they aren't and they're not going to be, so there's nothing that we can do about that. But if they were more transparent about their overall roadmap, then we would I think we would all feel much better about where they are headed. Or at least we would feel much better about the technology purchase decisions we're making. Because we would feel like we're making an informed decision as opposed to making a, a faith decision. Do we think Apple know, or do you think it's like exactly what you said, Jeff, where they've got this mentality of there's a big focus on the iPhone, then there seems to be a big focus on the iPad, then there's a bit of a focus on the Mac, they keep that nice and quiet, and then there's the Apple Watch, big focus on that. Do you think they know, or... Yeah, that's basically. Do you think they know? I think they know, and the and and the token ring analogy that I used earlier. I think that that's just part of how they do things. So they have a very clear roadmap internally. It's that's just how Apple works. So I I feel comfortable saying that. And then at the same time, as they're going down that that roadmap. They're focusing on a specific part of the business, and then they jump to the next part where the where the the focus will be. So both are true. 
they're they're doing this jumping from from thing to thing but at the same time they have a grand plan that's very meticulously laid out if this uh if this rumored uh, arm-based macbook uh appears uh we might get a better idea where they're going because uh, right. oh, a... i think it's already here jim i think it's here in the form of the ipad if you, if you look at the the i sorry to cut you off if you look at the ipad now it looks like it's actually more expensive than a uh intel based computer by the time you've spec'd it all up and got what you needed so i actually think they've done it now i think the ipad is the arm based mark and the intel is the air quotes um cheap computer maybe do you remember years ago when we had the ipod nano the the yeah. nano I always saw as Apple's test bed for the iPod line. And I mean, you could look at what they were doing with form factors and features on the iPod Nano. And then those features, the stuff that worked well, then that would show up in other parts of the iPod line, you know, in, in the in the higher end models. And I think that to a degree, we're seeing the same thing with the iPad, where Apple can test all of these different technologies and features that ultimately are going to go into an ARM-based Mac. And what better way to get real-world testing than to have a real-world product? And that's where the iPad fits in, or at least the iPad Pro. And um, uh, to me, it just it mirrors what we saw with the iPod Nano beautifully. So I think we can get an idea of what to expect from future Macs by looking at things Apple is doing with current iPads. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Just to finally just come back to the to my experiments with video, I've just noticed that on iMovie, on the iPad, you can't have more than one video track. So you can't do a green screen. Huh. That see, I, I know they. I know they like it to be simple, but I think even Windows Movie Maker on Windows Ten can do two tracks. Uh, I guess my dreams of preserving transparency whilst doing an animated graphic can remain just a dream, <laughs> or I can go and spend two hundred ninety-nine pounds and get Final Cut Pro. Simon, are you still with us? Yeah, yeah. I'm just listening. I was just, I was just checking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't fallen asleep or anything. I'm still here. There's some. You definitely got to do this one as a double show. You can have next week off. Have Jeff and um, Alan talking about music, and then the next week after, keep this as a Alan, who's Alan? Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean, Dave. <laughs> is, that, is this my new pseudonym, Alan? Alan? I think to some extent, like you were saying, it feels like it's changing very slowly. And um, the other thing you have to be aware of, particularly in technology, is you'll get a slope and then a plateau and then something new will come along. There'll be some new technological development and then there'll be another slope as that technology, you know, becomes uh, ramps up. So, you know, technological change is not a straight line, is it? It's more like a like a stair you go mm -hmm. you know yeah. you, you have an, uh, something new comes along be it a new processor or a new technology or um whatever and that will ramp up and be built on and built on and then when that's kind of played out you'll get a flat spot until the next you know the next um innovation kicks in so i think at the minute we are on a you know we're on a bit of a plateau because the technologies that we've been seeing move so fast, like the smartphones and the iPads, are becoming mature products. Um, we're, we're long overdue, Apple coming out with something um, new. Uh, you know, when the iPhone came out, that was a leap uh, over the mountain um, of a product. You know, it went from your know, bog standard mobile phone to basically what, what uh, Steve Jobs said, it was a computer, a phone, and what was the other thing he, he said? Uh, a, player. a music player and an internet connection device. Yeah, that was a massive leap uh, forward, and look what it's, what it's installed now, all these different phones you can get, and tablets you can get, 
uh, Apple needs to come out with something in that kind of um, step up. It, it's all about cheaper, yeah. isn't it? Everyone goes, we need a cheaper iPod, cheaper AirPods, cheaper Apple Watch, cheaper everything. And Apple's never going to go cheaper. They probably have something. Uh, well, we've got the glasses to look forward to, apparently. Yes. And if the latest rumor is true, <laughs> that seems very interesting to me, which is the glasses will be able to uh, to change their focus for your prescription. And now that would be cool. <laughs> now, at that point, smart glasses become much more compelling to me, not because I can have a heads up display, you know, record things, whatever. It's because I can have one pair of glasses. And as my prescription changes, I just need to have the uh, the focus readjusted in the lenses and and I'm done. So I can continue to use the same glasses. Yes, I'll have to pay more money up front, but it's not like every couple of years I'm shelling out another $800 or whatever because my prescription is so crazy. The the yeah. lenses in Apple's glasses will actually take care of that. And uh, and the rumor says in addition to being able to to handle the you know the the nearsighted or farsighted, they'll be able to handle astigmatism as well. So, if that's the case, wow, these are really compelling glasses. So, is that like when we had liquid metal? Does that would that will this be liquid glass? Is that <laughs> is the way it will work? <laughs> I like I like that idea. Yes, <laughs> I think I ought to patent it now. <laughs> We've talked about this before on previous shows, the glasses, and I've asked the same question, which I'm going to ask now uh, to Jeff. Um, what use would you use the Apple glasses? Assuming we know what exactly the Apple glasses is going to be able to do, what uses would you use it for apart from obviously seeing? Uh, what I would like to see is uh, is a heads-up display sort of use so that when I am driving, my driving directions appear in front of me. And, uh, you know, so when a turn comes up, I'll get the, the arrow that's, at, you know, that's pointing to the left and uh, uh, you know, things like that. So heads-up display for driving directions. And um, I would also like, but I really want to be able to turn it off because I don't know how much I'd like it to get a little heads up notification when uh when i get an alert that goes to my apple watch so like an incoming phone call or a text message from a from one of the people on my vip list so that i i just know very quickly what it is that uh, that's come in and then I decide if i need to to look at my watch or pull my iphone out of my pocket but I don't want to have tons of data streaming in front of my face all the time. The worry I have with the likes of using using them as a you know information when you're driving is it's a distraction. Um, uh, well, I, 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 you're right, but they they have started projecting um, stuff onto the windscreen now, haven't they? So I think it'll be like uh, the, the the phone now. If you're driving, it says, "Oh." Are you driving? And it will sense to go bugger off. I'm not going to show you anything other than what you actually need to see on the screen. Yeah. Yes. For driving directions, I'm picturing not not having a lot of data on the screen in front of me, but a turn is coming up and I get the arrow that I can clearly see through. That yeah, I, I, shows me I, I what saw, direction to turn. And when I get I to saw, my destination, you know, like just a little thing flashes up that says I've arrived. And that's it. Yeah, I saw something that, um, uh, uh, what's it called? The January tech show. E3. No. Um, what's uh, it? Uh, C oh, CES. CES. CES, thank you. Uh, there was something at CES, I think it was last year, uh, where they were demonstrating um, uh, directions being projected in a way that they were, they looked as if they were on the road ahead of you. So when you get the arrow, you don't just get an arrow. It actually looks as if it's printed onto the road. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. <laughs> okay, you know something I mean? like that uh, is compelling. I thought, you know, something like that would, would actually work really well. Where it, it's actually Perhaps it colors the road orange or something along which you've got to drive or whatever. I, I think that would be quite cool. Well, that would work at Spaghetti mm -hmm. Junction. 
<laughs> I get the feeling we're heading down the road. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the the film Wally, uh, yes. but I can't help the feeling we're going down the road of these characters in Wally, where they're all sitting with screens in front of their faces and they're totally oblivious to what's around them. Well, that's uh, now, isn't it? Whenever you see kids going, oh, well, phones, yeah, that, that's the biggest problem with mobile phones. But uh, yeah, we're yeah. heading down that way. The big difference between the uh, the people in Wally. And today is that we don't have the floating couches to move us around. Oh, that's Apple's next product. <laughs> <laughs> the Apple couch. <laughs> uh, damn, Wally, uh, uh, Johnny's not here anymore for that. <laughs> that's true. The ad bit at the end. Uh, right. I th- I don't want to jump in here, guys, but I think we'll be going for about two hours. Um, Simon, is there any news, or should we just sort of... No, nothing nothing of any consequence. Um, Obviously, Uncle Tim put a letter addressing um, racism on the the front page of Apple. Um, I thought it was a very well-written letter. It was. Look, I haven't seen that. Um, I I will put the link in the uh, show notes, um, obviously. But yes, Tim wrote a, a fairly impassioned piece, you know, saying how we all need to do better. Um, yeah. But other than that, there's not really much news. No. So hence our long and rambling discussion about whatever and why not. It's a perfectly valid way to spend our time on a on a podcast. That's that's just how it is. Um, so there you go. Yes, we have we have been talking for well, my recording is going uh, one fifty. So um, I guess perhaps That's plenty. You could almost <laughs> make two out of that. Yeah, almost. Yeah, we've been chatting long enough that uh, I finished my entire mug of tea, and I think I'm halfway through my bottle of water. Well, there you go. I think <laughs> I think we should. And I'm not complaining. Say, nope. I think we should probably say that that is enough for this week. So. Um, we might as well just go uh, straight into the wrap-up. So, uh, Jeff, where can people find you around the internet? I, I am so easy to find. I mean, if you Google me, you'll find me. But Twitter and Instagram, I'm Jgam at both places. And uh, and I, I am looking forward to chatting with everyone on social media. And then, like, tons of shows. Because I have this thing where I can't help myself. Uh, I, I, I love podcasting. Yep. You're just a guy who can't say no. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty boy. much it. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark, where's, where's your stuff? Uh, right. You can get me on YouTube at Essential Apple, where I'm trying to do at least one review a week of stuff I've got on my shelf for procrastination, which is basically tech that's old but it's not old enough to be retro and it's coming up with mixed results and you can also catch me on the watching men podcast as well with my co-host carl madden very good uh and nick uh you can find me very occasionally on twitter as spligosh s-p-l-i-g-o-s-h and uh you can hear me occasionally over on bots let's talk apple too very good and uh jim uh, in the Slack group, um, on Flickr as the SRPS paint shop, uh, also uh, in Flickr as the Essential Apple uh, Flickr group, I'm the administrator, and I have a, a channel on Vimeo, which I cannot remember the name of. my mind. Send, send it across to us, and I will put it out as a tweet. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. Um, there we are. All of the stuff for the show, of course, is on the EssentialApple.com website. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up for this week. So uh, until next time, we'll all say goodbye. Goodbye. Cheerio. Cheerio. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Indeed. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. We have a special report here from Tucson, Arizona, about online education and Zoom education during this difficult time. Oh, we have a student here. What's your name? Ren. How do you spell that? W-R-E-N. And how old are you? Just turned nine. What grade are you going into? Fourth. Fourth grade with Ren. And have you done any classes using Zoom? Yes. 
my third grade and sometimes in science class too and I just started music class. But I've learned that sometimes the Zoom doesn't like different types of instruments. Okay, let's go back to school. Uh, have you been doing the online education for a long time now during the Zoom? I started in early April, around when spring break was going to start. And how long did it last? Until the end of the term? Yeah. Did you learn anything using the Zoom? We learned how to do long division, other stuff. Oh, serious mathematical stuff? Yeah. Was it harder or easier than being in a classroom? It was a little harder because sometimes you didn't have the exact stuff that the teacher, our teacher didn't know how to share the screen at first. Uh-oh, screen sharing, that's a troublemaker. Yeah, so I couldn't always see what she was doing and with all the other distractions, I sort of got distracted and I can't focus on what we're learning. Are you doing this on an iPad, an iPhone, or a computer or what? I'm usually doing this on a computer. Have you ever used an iPad or an iPhone for your online education? Sometimes I use my iPad, but not for online education, mostly for playdate. What about camp? Do you have any summer camp activities? Yes, I have voice lessons over Zoom and a science camp. Are any of those classes going to not be Zoom and be in person, or do you think you're stuck with Zoom for a while? It's going to be all Zoom. And what about when you go back to school in the fall? Will that be Zoom too? No, we'll actually be going back, but I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Like, are we going to have to wear masks? Are the desks going to be six feet apart, you know? Yeah, all that weird stuff. Now, did they talk in Zoom about how to mute your screen or how to turn off your video or stuff like that? Or is every are all the kids just waving being crazy all at the same time with the teacher. Being crazy, it was sort of on our first Zoom. It was actually my dad who said to Zoom to the teacher. It was a big cuckoo at first. My teacher didn't know how to mute themselves, stop their videos, do anything like that, but till about half the term was over. <laughs> she knew how to mute the next day, but it was a little bit hard. But she didn't really get the screen sharing until like near the last day of school. Wowee. <laughs> So it's tricky even for teachers. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll talk again maybe during the summer or when you go back to school. Okay. Thanks for joining us on this special report on Zoom education in the year 2020. Bye, Ren. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative, and timely. The Mac to the Future live cast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group.
next time. And uh, I hope you find a new gig soon, mate. You know, I, I'm i thinking positive. I, I'm sure that I'll have something soon. That's good. That's good. Right. Well then, chaps. Um, thank you all. And, uh, and I know I've got to edit some sort of sense out of all that. <laughs> I think Jeff and Alan deserve their own... Um... Who is this Alan? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the whole conversation I had with Alan was great. Uh, it was so weird how Nick kept interrupting. Ah, Nick, that's the one. Flipping out. Because in my head, I've been going, it's Alan. You know, I, I don't know why, but you were just Alan. For, and I couldn't see him. If you want to call me Alan Mark, that's fine. <laughs> oh, great. The, the man of the cloth, and I'm calling him by his wrong name when I saw him in front of him the other week. I'm going to hell. <laughs> it's like when it's like when you're around someone and you go, "Oh bloody hell!" and you go, "Oh great!" Now I'm blaspheming. I'm well, to go you know, and get some birch and slap myself with it. So <laughs> when you end up in hell and you're standing at the whatever gates there are, and they say, "How did you get here?" Look them square in the eyes and say, "It's Alan's fault." And <laughs> listen to that. He's even got the holy bells ringing in the background. Jeff. Oh Jeff. Excuse me. Yes. Has your uh, cat problem gone? Uh my cat problem? Mm-hmm. Um well, you know, my my cat, she passed away a couple years ago, but my neighbor's cat thinks I'm the bomb. So uh so this cat thinks that my apartment is part of its home. I was and, the bigger cats than the... Oh, the bigger cats. It's funny because to me, that's just part of the world now and I don't even think about it. <clears throat> um, I haven't actually seen the, the mountain lions in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I've still only seen photos of them, but I do look up when I'm walking because <laughs> they like, they like to, to rest in the trees and then they can also drop down on their prey. So while everyone else is looking around on the ground to see if they're walking, I'm looking up to see if they're in the trees. Uh, so they're here, mountain lions. We we have a couple bobcats in town now. The mm-hmm. bears have woken up, so we have to be watching out for them. Uh, we always have deer in town. And uh, we had a moose in town for for a day, and then someone ran into it with their car. Oh. Yep. <clears throat> we, we, the moose is gone. We've been having an increase of uh, wildlife uh, uh, in town and cities. Uh, I think it was last week there was a deer in the city centre, which is very unusual. It's purely down to the lack of people being about. Mm. Yeah, the the mountain lions for us, I'm sure they've been in town because uh, there's been so little traffic. Mm. Um, Now that things have opened up a little bit and there are more cars driving around, it wouldn't surprise me if the mountain lions if they haven't already moved back uh, up into the hills, it, it, it's going to happen soon. You know, we were talking about frustrations earlier on. I had one of those occasions last night. It's a little bit like when you've been using Excel for two hours and you haven't saved. <laughs> and then suddenly it crashes. Oh. But it, it wasn't one of those. But but it was a little bit like that. I um, So I've been learning how to use OBS uh, for streaming these services. And... Um, one of the problems with the Mac is it's quite difficult to, uh, on the PC, it's quite easy to um, add virtual cameras. So oh, yes. uh, I, I, using Zoom at the same time. And what a, it would be nice if I could put what I'm, what I'm streaming into Zoom so that people who are in Zoom can see where we are in the service. Um, and I found a YouTube um, uh, explanation of how, how you can do it with the Mac. And I thought, oh, great. So I've got... YouTube up on my, on my Mac and and I work my way through it and basically you have to download Homebrew through Terminal mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. you go in then you follow all these instructions on this website which is basically a number of install um, 
things, I think, and changing directories and things like that. And literally, you just copy and paste them into the terminal and run them one at a time. And I got right to the end. And so this probably took me about an hour. Right to the end, and uh, I, I, I clicked on tools, and there it was, virtual camera. I thought, yes, okay, this is going to be brilliant. And then I scrolled down on the instructions just a little bit further, and it said, by the way, this doesn't work with the latest version of Zoom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no! You can with the web version. <laughs> oh, you can with the web version. If with um, I've done a, I've done a, I don't know if anyone's right. Here's a clang. I've recently done a review on trying trying to do the same thing with my Canon camera, but using the new Canon um, uh, webcam drivers. If you go yeah. and download Chrome or a another well, go with Chrome and yeah. go onto the web, it will support virtual webcams. Um, similarly, uh. with Skype. The latest version of Skype doesn't support virtual webcams, but if you get an old version, and the trick is not to install it, you run it from the DMG or a different folder, it will see it as a virtual webcam. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I could have a play with that. I was just so frustrated that it was right at the bottom, not at the top. <laughs> it would have been much better had they said that at the top, and then I wouldn't have gone through the, <laughs> through yeah, the pain right. of doing it all. There's, there are a few gotches like that with it, but um, yeah, basically don't use um, Safari, use Chrome, and it, it will then do the whole pop-up to say, do you want to allow access to your webcam? Basically, if you can see it in OBS and it OBS yeah. displays it, then go and use the web version of that app in Chrome and it should work. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that. I'll, I might have a play. I've almost almost been useful. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm about to go and do the same thing now because I've, I've been using uh, Carl's fancy Dan software, and I'm too tight to pay for the subscription. So now I've got to try and set up a virtual cam. Or uh, the other way to get around it, if you've got any spare cash, would be to get a HDMI um, capture card or capture box. But then when you do that, you're then going to have to spend a little bit of time fiddling with the um, the audio-video sync. I suppose, actually, I suppose the simplest way to do it would be to log into Zoom on my on my iPhone and have my iPhone pointing at the screen. <laughs> so that would work. And then they'd be able to see what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you could... Um, I'll tell you, another thing you could do is if you've got an iPad... Um, no, because you could because you can use your phone and your iPad as a camera uh, as an NDI device, which means it's got really low latency and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's getting it into Zoom that's the problem. It's not. It's not. It's not the uh, the the OBS worked fine. Mm. It's just that it won't for some reason. I assume it's to do with the security changes they've made in Zoom since they were. It's, I think no. I think it's more the uh, the actual OS itself because it doesn't like unsigned this and unsigned that. And basically, what uh, you're trying to do is tell it it's got some hardware um, that isn't there. Right, right. Yes, it did say something about signing. Uh, right, okay. Complicated, but fun. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that as we get older, we find them? You know, we we find that oh, you know what? I'm going to do something really frustrating for fun. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm what's up with 12. that i'm on hour 12 of all i want to do is get some text to fade in nicely on a green screen now i know that i could do um a hard like so let's say you've got a block of text i could have like a rectangle that moves to reveal the text but i want a gradient on it god damn it that doesn't seem like too much to ask it's not possible on the ipad in fact, I've even emailed Luma Fusion, and I sense that there might be a video coming out this week about this. Yeah. Cool. Okay. The Rodecaster Pro looks a pretty cool piece of kit. I know. Oh, wow. And I mean, it, it addresses one of the big problems with uh, doing a podcast from an iPad, which is if, you, if you're using something like Skype. How do you get multiple people into uh, into your recording? Yes, and with this, you just plug each iPhone in to the into the roadcaster, and uh, and each one is seen as its its own uh, input source, and it mixes everything together for you. 
And it also means everyone else on the show will be able to hear everyone else. I wonder if we right, I've just spent far too much money, so I can't. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not I mean, that. when you see this, you get why I look at it and think, oh, if I only had this. Yes. But at the same time, my Mac is working perfectly fine. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's a lot of money to buy when, uh, when you don't really need it. Yes, yeah, not, not a cheap but piece boy, of kit, cool is to it? have. No, that's been one of the things I've enjoyed doing about my the other videos that I'm doing is for the first time in my life, I've not got hung up on. Well, I can't do it because I haven't got this. I haven't got that. I'm actually just enjoying that going, well, let's see how creative I can be working around it. Mm hmm. Yeah, we had we had uh, Greeny on last week, and he's just <laughs> he's just spent a lot of money through his business uh, buying um, iMac Pros and things. Or was it Mac Pros? <clears throat> Mac, I'm, I'm Pro, Mac Pros. MacBook Pros. Yeah. So. Sorry, Jim. What were you saying? No, I was just saying I meant to ask him what his business is now because um, I don't know what he does just now. He works for Google, I think. Well, he used yeah, to work for he... Google. Does he still? I don't know. I, no. uh, to the best of my knowledge, he works for for Google, but oh, he does. Um, it, it's hard to keep track. He's also, he's also <laughs> an entrepreneur. He has a, a line in uh, one size boots and uh, watches it tell time twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's never going to hear the end of that. <laughs> 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 so if you want a pair of size nine boots, uh, just contact. Well, I never, I never found out if it was all if it was pairs or single single shoes. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine if he bought a thousand left feet? <laughs> 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 